visiting for a while. We're, we're going to be jumping into Jonah uh, next Sunday. And so I was hoping to start it this Sunday, but wasn't able to get there. Um, working through some things mentally and spiritually for Jonah in a good way, in a really good way. Um, so we're going to talk about disciple making uh, this morning. And before we jump into this text, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather together, to be uh, in your word together, and really to grow in our faith together. Lord, as you have called us to be here, Lord, to be walking out our life in Christ together at Sovereign Grace Church, family and friends who are here today as well. Um, Lord, we just ask that you'd bless us as we spend time in your word, and you would help us, Lord. to do the things that you've called us to do and bring some clarity um, for this season of life that we find ourselves in as a church, as members of Christ's body. So Lord, we need you. We need your spirit to soften our hearts that we might receive all that you have for us this morning. And Lord, we ask that you'd eliminate distractions uh, and just help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you are uh, business-minded? Like, by that I just mean... You like to think mission statements, you like to think vision statements, and so just maybe raise your hand just to kind of show off a little bit. Yeah, we just have a couple, okay? So I'm going to bet like vision statements are big to you and things like that. Like you want want a purpose, you want to be able to look out and just say, okay, this this is what I'm I'm called to and this is what my business is going to look like and it it helps to clarify... uh, what we're running after. And so I, I kind of like that stuff too. And I, I like the guys who've raised their hands. I, I kind of ebb and flow. Like there's just seasons where like I, I jump into it and I, I wrap my arms around it. And I probably talk too much about it um, at times. And then, and then there's just seasons where it sort of leaks because that's kind of what vision does sometimes. It's what mission does. It, it just leaks. But years ago, I, I did write a vision statement. I've shared it with you guys, but it's, it's been a while but uh, it hasn't changed for me, which is pretty interesting. It's still there. It's something I look at. Um, I want to share it with you. And so this would be a vision statement. And this comes from a long list of business leaders who have affected my mind and thinking about what am I doing as a pastor? And what has God called us to as a church in the sense of what are we, what are we going to look like? And so here's what I wrote. And you're not going to find this on any of our printed material because... It's just not. I'm going to share a mission statement in a second. But here's the vision statement. We, as in us, see Sovereign Grace Church. I know you guys are grading me too. I can feel it. The guys who, are, who raise their hands. And so what, you can send your grade in, whatever, that's fine. We, again, see Sovereign Grace Church. That would be us. As a vibrant community of believers. Numbering in the hundreds building up one another and reaching out to our neighbors, community, and the world through our ordinary relationships and church planting. There's a number of words in there that I like. I like ordinary a lot. That word stands out to me. I just like ordinary. Um, vibrant as well. But what do you think of that? Like, If you look at our church, can you see that? Just a bunch of ordinary people, sort of vibrantly, which is sort of enthusiastically, like we want to love Jesus. 
And we want to love Jesus together, and we want to pick up our crosses, and we want to follow Jesus together. And we want to be growing in maturity when it comes to our relationship with Christ. And we want to be doing that corporately. And we trust that the, the gospel really is the power of God to save. And so I, I, I think we should be thinking about numbers in some way, although I don't, I don't as I get older, I don't, I don't place an, an, a huge emphasis on numbers a lot, but I, I do think the gospel, um, because we see it throughout Scripture, it just grows. When the gospel is proclaimed and the power of God's at work, people get saved. It doesn't mean Sovereign Grace Church has to grow. It just means God is growing his kingdom through the proclamation of the gospel, and people are growing. And so that's kind of what's behind that. There's a, there's a lot there, but but that's the vision statement that I have on a card sitting next to my desk and I pray through at times and think about and sometimes I forget about it and I need to be reminded of it. But we do have a mission statement as a church. Um, most of you probably hear it like this. Sovereign Grace Church exists to know, apply, and proclaim the gospel. But it's a little bit bigger than that. The, the knowing, applying, and proclaiming is sort of the catchy words that kind of keep us. This, this is what we're attempting to do every time we gather, as we sit down, and we, from writing a budget to hiring a new pastor to working through children's ministry. This thing sort of guides us and leads us, and it gives us a sense of this is what God's called us to. And so here's the full mission statement. I think we have this. I didn't give him my vision statement. because, Anyways, we exist to glorify God by building a community of believers who are actively knowing, applying, and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. And there's reason for saying it again. It's, it's called repetition, and it really drives home the point. And if you've read a lot of business books and things like that, you just repeat it, and you say it over and over again so people believe it, and they see it, and it's just that's what we do. We exist, Sovereign Grace Church exists to glorify God by building a community of believers who are actively knowing, applying, and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. This has been the mission of this church since I got here, and it hasn't changed at all since I've been here for, I don't know, almost 20 years now. This is what we believe that God has called us to. It's the thing that sort of guides us and it leads us in, in all that we say and do. It's the mission of our church. And I share this with you because I want to clarify for us, this is what God's called us to do. This is what we believe God is calling us to do every time we gather together is to glorify God together as we grow in community. And, and it's sort of lived out through knowing, applying, and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Kevin DeYoung has written about the mission of the church, and he wrote about it in this way. Now, he's talking about the church in general. He says, the mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. And gather these disciples into churches that they might worship and obey Jesus Christ now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father. And so he, he says it in a very eloquent way as well. Like, and so again, if you break that down, he's, he's just saying the church has a mission. 
We're, we're actually, we're called to do something. And I would say we're called to do a lot of things. A lot of things. But what we're going to see from our text this morning, I'm going to read it here in just a moment, is that, is that this mission is not something I make up. It's not something Phil makes up. It's not something your mom and dad made up. It's, it's not something that Kevin DeYoung made up. It's something that, that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his church. So look with me at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. This is right after his resurrection. He gathers together with his 11 disciples It says the following, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so you wonder, where do we get our mission from? We get our mission from from really Jesus himself. So he calls us as a church to go and make disciples, to baptize people as God saves them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And to teach them all that Christ has commanded us. And so this is the mission of Sovereign Grace Church. And it's the mission of all churches. Christ's mission for the church advances through the church. Therefore, what we learn is we as members of the church must go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to sort of dig into this mission that he's given to us. By looking at three points this morning. In our first point, we learned that, number one, our mission comes from the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Again, Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples, they're, they're in Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, verse 18, And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So no longer were they the 12, now they're the 11 because of Judas and his betrayal of Jesus. They're gathered there together. They're waiting for Jesus Christ after his death and resurrection on the cross, waiting to hear from him. I just want you to just pause for a moment. Just just imagine what that would be like. You, You are one of his close disciples. You've walked with him and you've just walked through watching him being killed on a cross, sort of grieving his death, and then being informed he's been raised from the dead, and he wants to meet with you, and you're gathering together, and you're going to meet with him, and he's got something to tell you. And the first thing he tells them is, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So what he's doing is he's making it very clear to his disciples who he was and who he is as he's about to give them some instruction. The limitations that once applied to him as he physically walked earth no longer apply to him anymore. He's in charge. There's no one greater than him. There's no one 
who has more authority than him. They can't. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He has supreme authority throughout all the universe. It's important for us to to think about these things. To understand who he is. He's the son of God. Lived a perfect life. Died on the cross for our sins. Was raised from the dead. And now he's announcing to the disciples. And God is sharing through his word. That that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Now that's meant to sort of find its way into our head. And and stick in our hearts. Because it's going to inform how we think about the mission that he calls us to. What we think about him in regards to us picking up a cross and following him. We're following the one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This means we don't have that authority. This means that we're not ultimately in charge of our own lives. He is. We submit to our Savior And Lord Jesus Christ, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. It means it's not about us living out our own dreams, doing whatever it is we want to do whenever it is we want to do it, because we submit to the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. All of us fall under the authority of our King, Jesus Christ. And he is powerful. And he is supreme. And he's called us to be his people. The question is, do do you like being his people? Do you like following him? Do you love that he's your savior? I was talking with my kids the other day. as We were driving in the car. and We're talking about what it means to be a believer and things like that. And I just asked them, I said, said, "Why, why do you like being a Christian? Or... What do you like most about being a Christian? And so I'm going to ask you that right now. What, what do you like most about being a believer? What, what do you love most about following Jesus? How, how do you answer that? And so we talked about a few things. And I know it's sort of an awkward question. It's not one that you get asked a lot. But, but I think it's a meaningful question. It's something for us to, to really think through. And I, I would say there, there's a number of things I, I really love. But one of the things I love most is just Jesus himself. I love being a Christian because I, I love getting to know Jesus. I love entrusting my life to him because the more that I get to know him, the more that I find him trustworthy in every area of my life. And he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And with this authority, he has given us a mission. And our second point, we learned that our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ by teaching people about Jesus and what it means to follow him. Again, number two, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ by teaching people about Jesus and what it means to follow him. So after Jesus told his disciples about this supreme authority, he commanded them with the following. He said, go, verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
Because Jesus is who he says he is, and because he has all authority in heaven and on earth, his disciples, his church, you and I have been commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, Leon Morris, in his commentary, wrote this about being a disciple. He said, a disciple is both a learner and a follower. A disciple takes Jesus as his teacher and learns from him, and disciples also follow him. Being a disciple and making disciples of Jesus, it's, it's more than simply believing in him. It, it involves learning about him. It involves trusting him. It involves picking up a cross and following him. Jesus isn't just looking for a bunch of names to put on his list of disciples. He's looking for people to wholeheartedly follow him. People who are committed to him. That's what he's making. He's making people who pick up a cross and begin to look more and more like him as his spirit's at work in them, changing him. Leon Morris goes on again and he says this, Jesus' disciples are people for whom a life has been given in ransom and who are committed to the service of the master, who not only took time to teach his disciples, but who died for them and rose again. Those who are disciples of such a leader are committed people. And of course, this is the kind of disciple that he looks for his followers to make. So for clarity's sake, a disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And this is who we're called to be by the grace of God. And he calls us to go and make these type of disciples. People who pick up a cross, follow Jesus Christ. So how do we make disciples? Honestly, I was Googling this and I was looking around. I think somebody said there's like 20,000 books on discipleship. There are people who have jobs just to teach people how to make disciples, just these little niches. I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. This is a good thing. I'm just saying it's one of those things that's that important when we think about the Lord Jesus has called us to go and make disciples, to help people become committed followers of Jesus, to help people trust in Christ and obey him more and more as they grow in their faith until Christ comes back to get us. And so I'm just going to sort of walk us through this text just a little bit. First thing we learn is that uh, making disciples involves going. It involves some, some action on our part to reach out to others. And so the gospel message is not a message that we're called to keep to ourselves. It's a message that, that's meant to be spread. It's meant to be spread to people from every nation. It's meant to be spread outside of our home and outside of our church to our neighbors. And it's interesting, we're about to jump into Jonah next week, and we're going to see that that's one of the things Jonah struggled with. He was okay with preaching the grace of God to God's people, but but he didn't want to preach the grace of God to the Ninevites, the enemies of God's people. But what we learn here in this mission is is that God calls for us to go calls for us to take a little bit of initiative and go out into the world, wherever the Lord will allow for our feet to travel and tell people about Jesus. 
See, it's a life or death message that we've been given. It's the power of God to save. It's the power of God to rescue people from spending eternity in hell. It's the power of God to gift people with his mercy and grace and ultimately an eternity in heaven spent with Jesus forever and ever. And this message has been given to us. This message has radically transformed all of our lives. This message has brought us in this room. This message has radically transformed these parents as they stand up here, stood up here, and and they just declare, we need your help, we need God's grace, but it is our desire to preach this good news to our kids. And it's our desire that God would save them. So would you please help us as we seek to dedicate our children and our parenting and our entire lives to the Lord? Why, why would parents do that? I know most of you have done that with your kids at some point. And I would say because of the gospel. Because the gospel, it just radically transforms us, doesn't it? It's the same motivation that had Jason leading us through singing when we're thinking about, Lord, thank you for the pain. Thank you for the suffering. Thank you for the trials. Like the only reason we're ever going to say thank you in those moments is because of the grace of God at work in our lives, helping us see the goodness and the mercy and the, and the love of God in the midst of really terrible things that don't ever feel good. But we know that there's something beyond this pain and beyond this suffering And the only reason we know it and we believe it is because of the grace of God that's been extended to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful message. It radically transforms. And so we're called to go. We're we're called to, to take this message as far as the Lord will allow for our feet to travel. And so I'm not going to stand here and say, you got to go to Africa or you got to go to China. I'm just saying the Lord's called us to go. It's part of the part of this mission. Meaning, he's placed unbelievers in your life. And it's not even just the unbelievers. He's placed immature believers in your life. He's placed mature believers in your life that, that need to hear the good news. That need to grow in their faith. And so, part of discipleship, it's not just evangelism. It's not just, hey, I need to tell you about Jesus so that you get saved and then move on to something else. What we're going to see, it involves so much more than just preaching the gospel so that somebody gets saved. We're talking about becoming a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Somebody who matures in their faith. And so going looks like this. It looks like showing up on Sunday. Going looks like showing up to community group. Going looks like talking to your neighbor. Going might look like you going to China. might look like you going to Thailand. It might look like you going to Africa. It may very well include those things, but what I don't want us to miss are the actual people who are around us every day that you see when you go to work or you see when you go to school or you see at the grocery store, you see on the ball fields. Because the Lord is given us this mission, this mission is in a sense fulfilled by us by just us putting one foot in front of the other and opening our eyes and saying, okay, Lord, who who do you want me to disciple? Who needs to hear about Jesus? Who needs to see Christ's love? Second, we learned that this mission is for all nations. Again, this means that the gospel is not just for people you like or people you get along with. 
again, in Jonah, and I don't want to steal any of the Jonah stuff, but it's just fresh. It may very mean that God has called you to share the gospel with a neighbor that you can't stand. Those neighbors exist, don't they? So, and maybe it's that you can't stand them. I mean, you, you like them, but maybe they're just hard. Maybe you just find certain people difficult to get along with, and, and, and God may have placed you in that relationship because they need to hear the gospel too. They need to know what it looks like to be a believer and be a committed believer by picking up a cross and following them. And so maybe God's called you to show them what it looks like to actually love an enemy. Not that you tell them, hey, I'm, a, I'm here because God's called me to love an enemy and I see you as an enemy. I don't recommend that. I think a lot of what we're talking about here takes some wisdom, but we need to be sort of convicted and understand that it involves going, and the going means to all nations. Because the gospel doesn't stop. Read the book of Acts. It extends to the ends of the earth. God has a good purpose and a good plan, and it includes saving people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and that might include your neighbor. Or the kid at school that you find really hard to get along with. Thirdly, we learn that this mission involves baptism. He just says, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so this is why we baptize people here at this church. When people make a profession of faith, we baptize by faith, believing that God has saved them. Therefore, we baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What it is, it's just a sign it's a sign saying that the power of the gospel has transformed this person, regenerating them, making them alive with Christ, that they've died with Christ and they've been raised with Christ, that these are believers. So it's a sign. Finally, we learn that our mission to make disciples doesn't end at baptism. We're called to teach people to observe all that Christ has commanded us. I'd say this is a lifelong mission. As we ourselves are learning day by day what it means to follow Christ, and at the same time we're called to teach others what it looks like to observe all that Christ has commanded. So in a sense what I'm saying is, is we're disciples who are also called to make disciples. And so again, it doesn't stop with just, hey, I shared the gospel with this person. Now that may mean... That, that may be all that God has called you to do in that person's life, but, but just sharing the gospel is not all that God has called us to. He's called us to be disciples who make disciples, and those are committed followers of Christ, and so we're called to teach others all that Christ has commanded us. And so, as you can see, as a disciple, you understand that this is a lifelong process, right? How many people in here, raise your hand if you want, how many people in here feel like you've arrived, like you, you are at the pinnacle of discipleship? Somebody has invested so much in your life that you have arrived and you don't need anybody else's help. Okay, that's good. Fear of man, probably a little bit. There might be some of you young kids in here that might think you got there, but you didn't. It's a lifelong mission. We're called to live this out together where we're seeking to grow in understanding this is what the gospel is. This is what Christ has revealed to us. And this is what it looks like to pick up my cross in parenting a young kid. Or this is what it looks like to pick up my cross and, and parent a teenager. Or this is what it looks like to pick up my cross and, and be a grandma or grandpa for the first time. Or this is what it looks like to pick up my cross and follow Christ through suffering. Through really, really horrible things. 
I don't know if you've noticed this, as you get older, seasons of life, they just change, don't they? Sometimes we get warnings. We get these little like, okay, I'm about to be an empty nester. I had that conversation with somebody today who's becoming a grandpa for the first time, Lord willing. And I'm sort of like, I can see empty nesting in my life. And so for you, if you're young and you don't recognize seasons yet in your life, I just want you to know they exist. There's really good, happy seasons, and then there's really hard seasons, and they just change, and you gotta, you got to sort of communicate them. At least I do. I kind of like, okay, we're in a new season, and a lot of times what I'm doing in that, and what I would encourage you to do that, is get help for those seasons. Because I don't know what it's like to be an empty nester. Or I don't know what it's like to lose somebody really, really close to me that I love. I can sort of talk about it, but I haven't experienced it. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but, but when that happens to me, I'm going to say that is going to happen to me, and it's going to happen to all of us. What does it mean to be a committed follower of Christ in those moments? What does it look like to, to really trust in the grace of God and obey Christ in the midst of those hard things? And I would say is we do this together, and we're called to be that person. For those who need to be discipled in the other seasons of life. Does that, does that make sense? This is a lifelong mission for us. And I would say part of this mission, it's not, again, I want us to like sort of get away from just thinking that this mission is just about me standing on the corner and saying, you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus. But the good news is that God so loved us, he sent his son Jesus, that whoever believes in him will be saved. And experience eternal life. Now, that's good news, right? And it's important for us to say that, but, but I don't know that that actually finishes the mission we've been given. Well, I know it doesn't. We, we have to share that, but we also have to teach people all that Christ has observed. Okay, so I was studying discipleship a little bit. I want you to entertain this little exercise with me, okay? I'm going to try to time it. Okay, I'm going to ask you three things. I'm going to give you... The exercise was a minute. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And I'm going to time it in my head, so it might be less. Uh, okay, so three categories. The first one has to do with sermons, okay? I want you to write down... Some of you don't even have pens or your phone out. Like, I'm serious here. Or just think through it, okay? Whatever you want. Make it easy on you. Okay, I want you to write down five sermons, the, the most impactful sermons that you have listened to in your life that have helped you love and follow Jesus. Okay? Five sermons. do the timer thing, but I'm not very good with my phone. I can't find it quickly. I want to be on my phone during the message. Okay, 30 seconds. Great. Now I want you to do is I want you to write down five experiences, things that, that you've, you've walked through that have helped you or most defined your faith in Christ and your love for Christ. So these, if you're struggling for things, these would be things like, I got in a car accident and God saved me through that car accident when I was 19. That's a, like, that one's easy for me. 
Oh, and just for messages, what, the one that popped into my head right away was C.J. Mahaney did this thing years and years ago called the Idol Factory. If you have never listened to those things, I guarantee if you're an old-time sovereign grace, that one's probably on your list. And when I survey the wondrous cross, there's probably another one on there. But I'm not here to help you out in that. I don't even have this exercise in my notes. It just sort of popped in my head this morning. But it has a point. It has a point. Okay, because it has to do with the disciples. Lastly, here, I want you to write down five people that God has placed in your life that you would say God is using to help you love Christ and follow him more. hard part when you go off your script like that it's like where does it fit back in you know what I mean anyways my point in this if you just think REI you know that store a lot of you guys love it that's what it is relationships experiences and instruction so when we think about making disciples it sort of fall into some of these categories relationships experiences and instruction and so of those three things that you were writing down which one was the easiest to write down and remember, what was that? Yeah, it's people. It's people. Because making disciples is more than just the transfer of information. And that is not to say that the transfer of information is bad. Because we need that. We, we need to know things like, I'm called to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to read scripture. We need to study theology. But what I also need to understand is this discipleship making is not just you sitting in front of a computer listening to somebody teach you. It's meant to be relational. It's relational. God has called us to be disciples who go and make disciples. And so relationships are important. Experiences are important. I just share that with you because you are important to the mission that God has not only given to us as a church, but the mission that Christ has given to his church. And so we're called to go and teach people all that Christ has commanded. And I would say it, it, it's going to look different in different contexts. And so when you think of these people, I hope, I hope and I trust that, that you're thinking of people that have taught you many things about Christ and not just sitting over coffee at Starbucks, if you know what I mean. A lot of times it happens in the context of serving side by side with one another. A lot of times it looks like walking through suffering side by side with one another. A lot of times it looks like maybe going to a game and sitting next to somebody else and you just learning from the way that they live their life. I was telling somebody earlier this week when we were talking about discipleship, and I was just saying, I would think one of the main ways God helps me grow in my faith is by seeing others do godly things. Watching other people who love Jesus Christ pick up a cross and follow him. And so it looks like, it looks like many of you in the way that you love your spouse. So I learned how to be a, a, a godly or more godly, I want to be careful, a more godly husband by watching the husbands out here faithfully love your spouse. 
I've learned about sacrifice as a husband by watching Brian Stewart, my brother-in-law. Now, he only lives 12 houses up, so I get to see him a lot. But, but I watch this man lay his life down for his wife and his kids. For a number of years there, we'd always give him husband of the year and father of the year. And it wasn't just because he's my brother-in-law. It's because the man just lays his life down. I've learned how to be generous because of him as well. A man who's willing to sacrifice and serve and give to others. Not just because he wants to. I guarantee if you were to sit and talk to this man, what, he, what he'd say is, he'd say, I do this because of the gospel. And he'd be able to specifically lay out for you, how can I not be generous when God has so generously saved me by killing his son? And so if you want to learn that, just, just watch him or, or watch any of these other men in our church. It's just the way God works. And so what I want to say is part of the way this mission is lived out is just by you personally living a cross-centered life. Being open and honest and living in the front of others. It makes an impact. Relationships are important. I also shared the REI illustration with you because I think, I think experience is important and instruction as well. Maybe it provokes you. And I'd say, well, where does God want you to grow as you make disciples? Is it relationships? Is it the experiences together? Is it the instruction? I think I'm on point three. I'm going to end with this. This is quick. Number three, our mission comes with the promise of the presence of Jesus Christ. So this is a tall task. We're called to be disciples who go and make disciples of Jesus Christ, teaching people to observe all that he's commanded. Okay, there's fear involved in this. There's the unknown of I don't know how to do this, which is okay. I just say in those moments, cry out for wisdom and ask, but we're also equipped with a promise, okay? Why do we do this? How can we do this? What motivates us when we're afraid to do this? Well, this does. Verse 20, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's always with us. The one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth is with us for how long? How long? Always, to the very end of the age. So that means as we go, as we seek to make disciples, as we are being disciples, we have this promise from Christ himself that he will be with us always to the very end of the age. That sort of boosts your, like, confidence, See, none of us are perfect. I guarantee you will not be a perfect disciple maker. And you will not be perfectly discipled by others. But we have this promise that as we go, as we seek to be faithful to what God has called us to, we have the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with us always to the end of the age. So church, I just want to encourage us. We have a mission to make disciples. And we've been given a promise from the one who has all authority in heaven and earth that he will be with us as we give ourselves to this mission that he's called us to, to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. I love this mission. And I love being able to do this mission with you. I think you do it well. 
because we're ordinary people who've been gifted with God's grace and his spirit is at work in us. And I want to just encourage us, God works through ordinary. He also works through extraordinary, but he's working through you. And I want to encourage us, keep going. Keep making disciples. Keep honoring the Lord. Keep building relationships with one another. Keep reaching out to your neighbor, trusting that God is the one who saves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I ask that you would fill us all with your spirit and you would guide us and lead us in your power and your truth. That, Lord, we would be disciple makers. And, Lord, you would disciple us through these relationships with one another, that we would all grow in our faith in our commitment to pick up a cross and follow Jesus, or that we might honor you in everything, that you might receive the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. May the Lord bless you. And just a reminder, youth meeting is up in the high school building in, I think, 30 minutes. So have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you.